It is Friday, September 11th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Week 1 DraftKings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaaf. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And we have a new third amigo for this year's DFS shows. He is Ned Niederlander. No, he's Tyler Syracuse. <laughs> he will be delivering tournament player picks for both DraftKings and FanDuel GPPs all season on DraftSharks.com for DS Insiders. He'll also be joining us on these Friday podcasts to give you some free picks and try to help me learn how to actually play this DFS stuff. Tyler, welcome aboard. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to join the team this year. I know I've been working with you guys the last couple of years, but it's good to get on the podcast and talk some football, and I can't wait for uh, for week one. We're going to learn more about Tyler in a minute, but first, I'd like to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com, and you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Tyler, most people watching or listening to this right now are probably pretty familiar with me and Jared already. So why don't you tell us a bit about your DFS background? Yeah, so me, like a lot of other people, uh, started playing season long as a family league. And I was born in 1994. I started playing fantasy in 1999 when I was just five years old. Fell in love with it right away. Instantly got a passion for it. I started doing... uh, daily fantasy in college when I was a junior. So that was 2015, I was a junior. And me and some buddies started playing DFS. 2016, I had my first big uh, GPP win, $25,000. Patriots and Texans, I had Deion Lewis when he had three touchdowns. And then 2017, I started playing more. 2018, I played in the live final, 200 people, $12 million prize pool. Unfortunately, I came in 176 out of 200. Mm-hmm. Had a couple injuries, but fell in love right away, and and I've been playing ever since. Yeah, I mean, 176 is at least uh, 24 spots higher than I finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the minimum payout was still twelve thousand dollars, and I mean, it was a great time at South Beach, but yeah, it just sucked. Uh, if you remember, it was the week I had um, Chris Ivory for Jacksonville, and they demolished the Texans, and Tommy Bohannon ran in two one <laughs> instead of Chris Ivory. So it was a lot of fun. And it was the last time any of us heard from Tommy Bohannon, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Something we haven't talked much about on previous DFS shows is, is bankroll management. So I wanted to start with that. Frankly, it's not an area that I know enough about, pay enough attention to, either in DFS or in managing my actual bank accounts. So I guess two, two questions really here, Tyler. How do you go about managing your weekly bankroll and then – Beyond that, what tips do you have for somebody who's a much smaller weekly stakes player like me? So weekly bankroll, I like to figure out the money that I want to invest for the season. So if you have $1,000, I generally want to be betting about 10% of that weekly bankroll in a given week. So if you have $1,000 for the season, you're betting roughly $100 a week. If you have $10,000, you're betting roughly $1,000 a week. And then you really want to figure out what your goals as a DFS player are. 
some people just like the tournaments. They want a chance to win a million dollars. They want to throw in a couple $5 lineups or $20 lineups. For me, I like to play cash games to keep my bankroll afloat. So when I first started, I was playing about 80% cash and 20% GPP. Cash games have gotten a little bit more difficult the last couple of years, I think, with the widespread information. And I mean, back when I was in college, just cash games are so easy. You just really print uh you know you played the guys with the most volume and the best matchup and you were getting a much higher roi than than you could generate now so i'm more about 65 cash games and 35 percent tournaments now i really like to do head-to-heads as well because that's going to increase my variance a little bit and like i said the 50 50s are a little bit uh more challenging and they're they're definitely going to keep your bankroll afloat throughout the season though cuz you could if you're doing strictly tournaments you might lose every slate for a month and it's you're going to lose confidence and you're not going to want to play so that's a main reason I like to keep uh cash games as a part of my weekly investment so do you then do you not recommend playing more money or you know a higher percentage of your bankroll on weeks where you feel like you have a bigger edge like, do you think you should stick to the same amount every week? Or if, you know, like this week, if I feel like I have a bigger edge, I should go up to, say, 15% of my bankroll? Yeah, I could definitely adjust that a little bit. And I've had really, really good success in week ones in the past. I know it's a little bit different this year because I've been, you know, watching basketball and it hasn't been a typical offseason. We haven't seen preseason. And honestly, usually there's a little bit more value in week one. I felt like in the past and on DraftKings raising the the floor of the running backs to 4,000 instead of 3,000. But I definitely, I mean, I've been doing this for seven years or so. So you kind of have a feel for the weeks that you have a bigger edge. I'll bump it up a little bit more, play in a higher stakes tournament. Or or if I feel good about my cash game lineup, put more percentage in your cash game lineup for that given week. How do you go about building your cash game lineup? Is it one lineup that you play or do you play a few of them uh, each week? Yeah, I'm mostly a one lineup guy. Sometimes if I really can't choose between a, you know, 2v2, I'll swap there, but I I try to just have one lineup on each site and then I diversify by playing the 1 p.m. onlys or the 4 p.m. onlys on FanDuel and DraftKings. I actually prefer FanDuel over DraftKings. I've had a higher ROI on FanDuel tournaments, and then I've had a higher ROI on um, DraftKings head-to-heads and 50-50s. In terms of building my my cash game lineups, it's kind of changed a lot in the last couple of years. I feel like now there's very concentrated ownership in cash games. So, of course, you want to jam in the running backs and wide receivers that are going to see volume. We all know that. I like to target quarterbacks in games with the high over-under. Defense, I like to target a defense that's going to generate pressure that has a high chance of forcing turnovers. And then I really like to to find at least one or two wide receivers that are generally cheap and that can break the slate with long touchdowns. So like a perfect example would be like Will Fuller last year in his three touchdown game or Deshaun Jackson this week, sub 5K and, and you know, has a great, not a great chance, but a chance for 30 points and that can really separate you from other lineups. Do you think upside is more important to consider now in cash games? As you said, they've gotten tougher. I think like, you know, the line to cash is higher than it used to be. So do you try to get a higher ceiling and a more upside guys into your cash lineups now than you did, you know, four or five years ago? Yeah, four or five years ago, you'd you'd be jamming in Jamison Crowder, Hunter Renfro. And now I feel like you have to play like Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller and just target that upside and go for it because it's a sharper time now. And yeah, it's, it's harder to get that lineup in the cash. How much attention do you pay to uh, ownership projections for cash lineups? 
I don't worry too much about ownership and cash. I do like to be a little bit more risky. If there's a guy that's like really chalky and I don't like him, I have no problem fading him in cash and tournaments. Whereas a lot of other people will kind of hedge and they're like, ah, you know, Antonio Gibson's 4,000. A lot of people are going to use him in cash. I guess I'll throw him in there. I'm not saying I'm going to fade Antonio Gibson, but that's just if I didn't feel he was going to have a good game, even though he's 60% in cash, sometimes I have no problem fading those guys. So then for GPP lineups or tournament lineups, um, you know, large field tournaments, how does your lineup building differ for that format versus cash games? So for GPPs, I like to generate lineups straight on draft charts, and then I'll use fantasy labs as well. Like I like the ownership ratings that we have and the points per dollar. It really helps identify the values. Generally, I'm picking three to four quarterbacks with three to four defenses. I really like to narrow my running back pool as well. So maybe five, six running backs that are getting good volume. And then wide receiver is definitely the one position where it's spread out. There's usually about 20, you know, 20 to 30 wide receivers that I'm playing in a given week. And usually the ownership won't be more than 50 to 60% on the wide receivers where I could lock button certain running backs or defenses. And then tight end, I really just like to to pick guys that have a good chance for a touchdown. Most of tight end scoring comes from touchdowns, especially on FanDuel. So that's a big thing I look for for tight ends because not too many of them are getting 100 yards besides your Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and Darren Wallers. I'm going to have to go back and take notes on all this stuff. It all makes sense, but it, you know, I think it's stuff that I, I don't think about enough when building tournament lineups. Um, how about projected ownership for tournaments? How big a role does that play in your you know player pool selection? I'm a little risky too. I, I just, I like fading chalk sometimes, but in other situations I'll play a hundred percent of guys. So I'm really kind of high risk, high reward when it comes to tournament. I, I played to get that top spot. I've had a couple really big tournament wins. My, my biggest win actually was on a $6 golf entry, which I won a hundred grand, but I've had a, a few nice football ones. It's very top heavy, the tournament structure on FanDuel and DraftKings now. So in order to get to that top spot, a lot of times I'm going to make tough fades and I'm going to be playing guys that are sub 5% or sub 2%. So that's just my general playing style for GPPs. When you say that, is that a matter of finding like one, two or three players that hit that level or really trying to focus on as many desirable players as are at that low ownership level? Yeah, that's a good point. You definitely don't need leverage at every position. I have no problem playing chalky guys if I think they're going to have a good week. Mm-hmm. But you're definitely going to need a couple guys in there that are sub 10%. And you want to look at the cumulative projected ownership. So you don't want all guys on your team that are 20% owned. Uh, it's very unlikely that you'll get the right combination to get the top spot. But you could definitely play a couple chalky guys. Like a good example this week would be like DJ Shark, projected ownership of 3%. And then there's guys right around him that are, you know, 15, 20%, like Calvin Ridley. Um, so on GPPs, I, I tend to to target those guys that are 2 to 3% and hope that they outscore the guys that are higher owned. How many more years do you guys think it's going to be before we can hear DJ Shark's name and not think do 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 do? Maybe. So probably. Right. Probably much easier for you than it is for me. (laughs) Well, like every year, we're going to be competing against each other on a weekly basis here in the Crown is Ass Challenge, which has primarily been a charity that I set up in Jared's honor. and I donate money to his future offspring. 
This year, we're going to welcome Tyler into the fold as well so that these two can divvy up my money that was supposed to pay for my children's college tuition. But we're, we're going to show you who we're playing against each other in the free post for this podcast on DraftSharks.com. Come every Saturday morning. Right now, though, we're going to give out some of our favorite targets by position. Jared, why don't you start us off with a cash QB here? Uh, Tyrod Taylor is going to be my cash game plan uh, drafting this week. 5600 bucks In general, I'm looking to go cheap at quarterback on DraftKings. It's it's different on FanDuel, but on DraftKings, the salaries are, you know, there's a big enough gap between the top and the bottom guys where the, you know, the cheap quarterbacks are usually the best values on DraftKings for cash games. So Tyrod Taylor gives us that rushing ability that we like, especially in cash, really in tournaments too, because it, it raises the floor and the ceiling on these quarterbacks. But Taylor's averaged 36 yards, 0.3 rushing touchdowns, per start over his career, um, you know, that right there is 5.4 DraftKings points right off the bat. So you like that. And this matchup too against the Bengals, Cincinnati was was bottom eight in basically every defensive metric you could find last year. Um, you know, they've made some changes, but I don't expect them to be a whole lot better. Yeah, I agree with that. Tyler, who do you have for cash quarterback? I'm going with Tyrod too. I think he's the cheapest option on DraftKings. Usually that's what I'll do for cash games. I'll scroll all the way down find the cheapest usable option. And to me, I think that's Tyrod as well. 5.6K, he's going to offer the rushing floor. And I think the Chargers are going to dominate the Bengals. And I think, you know, the Chargers are going to run the ball, but I think he's got a, a better chance for a rushing touchdown if they're going to be in the red zone more often. And, you know, he's not going to turn the ball over. I don't love him for tournaments just because he has a limited touchdown upside. Like he rare, very rarely throws for multiple touchdown passes. But I think he offers you a, a safe floor of 15, 16 points with with upside of 25. So I think he's a perfect cash game option for week one. And probably all not a great bet for the yardage bonus of 300 yards passing. Right. I like, too, that even though they're traveling east, it's a 405 Eastern time kick. So it's it's a little bit more in the comfort zone of where the Chargers, you know, spend life living. Are you guys looking to stack anybody with Tyrod Taylor in a cash game lineup, whether Keenan Allen or Hunter Henry or Austin Eckler? I've been working on my cash lineup already, and I'm not really considering Henry or Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler. I do think that they're all fine values and they all look like they're going to come in pretty low on. So I, I do sort of agree with Tyler that Tyrod's not a great tournament option. But that being said, like I do think Hunter Henry, especially Tyler talked about guys with touchdown upside at tight end. I think that is Hunter Henry in this matchup. He's a pretty good price low owned. So, you know, I think Tyrod to Henry in tournaments might make some sense, but not in cash. Yeah, no cash game stack options, just just Tyrod, but I'll, I'll mm -hmm. probably be sprinkling in some Allen and Eckler and GPPs. Tyler, why don't you hit us with a GPP quarterback because I have Tyrod Taylor down too. GPP quarterback, I'm going with Jimmy G. Uh, he's even a cash game option. He threw for eight touchdowns against them last year. I know Debo Samuel's been banged up, Brandon Ayuk's been banged up, but I, I like this game to go over the total. I think it's going to be up-tempo game. Uh, George Kittle should have a field day. I kind of like Jordan Reed, honestly, for like a, a million-year play. I just think Jimmy G's going to throw, get the 300-yard bonus and get a couple touchdowns. So I, I like his chances for 20-plus this week. Jared, what you got? I'm going to the other, other side of that game. Matt's going to love this one, but I like Kyler Murray. Um, 6400 bucks. so I think it's a reasonable price. Um, we have his ownership, or Fanshare has his ownership projected at just 3%. And I mean, we know Kyler has upside when you factor in you know, his – passing upside, especially with DeAndre Hopkins added to the mix and the rushing. Murray had six games of 23 plus DraftKings points last year. Two of those came against the 49ers. He had 23 
and 26.7 DraftKings points against San Francisco. So he's already done well against this defense. Now Hopkins is added to the mix. And the Niners defense could take a step back this season if they've lost a few guys. So um, I think at the ownership, uh, Kyler Murray makes sense as a, as a tournament play. I'm going to go a thousand bucks down and play white Kyler Murray, Mitchell Trubisky, 5,400 <laughs> from the Detroit Chicago matchup. Three touchdown passes in each meeting with the Lions last year. I mean, we'll see if the Lions are any better on defense this year. I'm certainly not betting on it, but Trubisky's got an affordable and clear number one wideout in Allen Robinson, 6,500 on DraftKings this week. He's playing in a dome, so there's no worry about the weather. There's the rushing upside we talked about with Tyrod Taylor. And, you know, 5,400, there's just more spending room for me to screw up other positions. <laughs> 1% projected ownership on Trubisky. Oh, yeah. Jared, why don't you hit us with a cash running back? Dalvin Cook, for me, 7900 bucks. He feels a little underpriced to me. And if you look at his salaries last year, he was a little over 8300 on average in his 14 regular season games. So, you know, about 400 bucks cheaper here. Cook, he's had the holdout talk all summer. It doesn't seem like that's an issue heading into week one now. He's had a healthy summer, which I think is key, obviously, for him. Um, the Vikings are two-and-a-half-point home favorites here. We always like that with our running backs. And it's a good matchup against the Packers, who were much stronger against the pass than the run last season. Football Outsiders had Green Bay 27th in run defense. They gave up 4.9 yards per carry to running backs last year. Cook only played him once. Uh, he missed the second meeting, but he had 20 carries for 154 yards and a touchdown in that one meeting. Tyler, who do you like? Running back's tough this week. I mean, McCaffrey's always a good option, but he's $10,000, and there's really not too much value this week. I already mentioned Antonio Gibson, 4000 I I hope there's more reporting on whether, you know, how many targets he's going to get or how much he's going to be out there because I saw that J.D. McKissick was atop the depth chart. So, I mean, if he's getting targets and Bryce Love's getting early down work, it could be tough for Gibson to, to get value. But I really like Josh Jacobs at 6800 Originally, he was just going to be a tournament play for me, but... I think I'm going to play him in cash, too, just with the matchup. Panthers were 32nd, DBOA ranked rush defense last year. They gave up over 25 rushing touchdowns. And you know Oakland's going to want to run the ball with the two rookie wide receivers. I think he's got a great shot at the 100-yard bonus, and he should find the end zone. So, I mean, at that price tag, he's usually not a guy that I look to play in cash games because he doesn't really catch the ball, but I think I'm going to go that way this week. I agree with that, and we'll we'll see where his receiving role goes. I think. They talked about how they wanted to see more from him. They haven't really said we're definitely going to give him more. I think the failed Lynn Bowden experiment or Lynn Bowden experiment adds upside there where there might not have been a, a few weeks ago. And, you know, I agree with you about the situation. I think there's a good chance at the 100-yard bonus, which helps with any receiving downfall. And they're the road favorite and they're facing the worst running defense uh, from the league last year so. It's a good situation for him. It's a decent price. It's a little bit expensive, but it's only seventh most expensive among main slate running backs, so you can fit it. Antonio Gibson, for me, I feel like I, he's a, a fade for me this week because I have no idea what his actual role looks like, especially the, the very first time out. And it's tough for me to play him even at 4000 when I could play Chris Thompson at the same price. Yeah, I think we just need more news on that Redskins backfield and the Jaguars backfield, honestly, too. I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty with both of them, but... I mean, with the Jags uh, touchdown underdogs, you know Thompson's going to be out there. You know he's going to be catching the ball. So I think he's a safer pick than Gibson for sure. Yeah, I prefer Gibson among those two. I just, you know, we talked about trying to get upside even in a cash game lineup. So I, just, I just think that's Gibson. Like he's the big, fast rookie. Uh, you know, we know he did a lot of receiving stuff at Memphis. The Washington coaching staff seems to love him. I think he played a big part in the release of Adrian Peterson. So there's there's some risk there. But at four thousand dollars, and when you, when you start to build lineups, getting him in, even if it's at the flex spot, it really helps a lot. 
Uh, what about GPP, Jared? Who do you like at running back? Todd Gurley, 6,100 bucks. You know, we, we obviously don't know exactly how much work he's going to get in his first game with Atlanta here, but you know, there's definitely the upside for him to get 20 plus touches. I mean, the other options are Brian Hill and Ito Smith. So especially early in the year when Gurley's fresh, I wouldn't be surprised if he handles, you know, 75, 80% of the backfield work. This Seattle Atlanta game has the highest over under on the main slate at 49 points. I think a lot of people though are going to go to the Falcons passing game. And you know, I think Gurley's going to come in pretty low owned at a nice price tag. Again, he has the touch upside and he has, you know, two touchdown upside in this game. Tyler, who do you like? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mark Ingram, 5,500. I think the Ravens are going to steamroll the Browns. I think it's going to get ugly quick. I think they're going to score five or six touchdowns. So I'd expect Ingram to get in the box once or twice. 5,500 is just too cheap. I know he only gets uh, 15 to 18 touches, but I really like his chances for a touchdown. He scored 15 last year, and Cleveland was bottom five in rushing touchdowns allowed and rushing yards new coordinator on offense. I think they're going to struggle to move the ball and Baltimore is going to dominate time of possession like they normally do. And, and I think he's got a great shot at 20 plus at low ownership. I want to talk about Alvin Kamara at 7,200 bucks. There was just one time all of last season that he was priced that low is in week 14, usually in the 8k range on DraftKings. So I think 7,200 is going to prove to be one of the lowest prices we get him at all year, if not the lowest, I think concerns over his back are going to keep his ownership from climbing too high, but assuming that Camara is at least healthy for this game and ready for a full Camara workload, I mean, who has a higher ceiling than a healthy Alvin Camara? Uh, I'm surprised that this game is actually tied for just the sixth highest over under on the week. Two of the games ahead of it, of course. Um, one happened last night, another Sunday night, so they're off the main slate. So I think that there's a chance we get more points than even Vegas is expecting here. And again, I mean, Alvin Camara. Everybody else on the offense healthy. I mean, who who hits the week with a higher ceiling than Alvin Kamara at home? Yeah, I actually briefly considered him as a cash option until you know I sort of remembered the whole back issue, and I think that that's enough to get me off him in cash. But I definitely think he's in play for tournaments. The, the Bucks were a tough matchup for running backs last season, both on the ground and through the air. But Kamara didn't have any issue with them in their two meetings. Yeah, I think he's definitely too cheap. I don't love his rushing yards prop at all but I do think you know he's always got a chance to catch 10 balls and he might get you value just with his receiving work so yeah. I don't mind that pick at all wide receiver Jared how happy are you to see Terry McLaurin leading the week one dollars per point projections in the lineup generator yeah you got it he's my pick here um he'll definitely be in my cash lineup uh 5600 bucks just way way too cheap just for a guy who is going to it's projected for the type of targets he's projected for. Um, you know, we know how weak the Washington wide receiver depth chart is behind him. You know, Logan Thomas, we're all kind of excited about, but you know, he's still a total question mark. So I think McLaurin, a good bet for like eight plus targets here. Good matchup too. Um, had two big games against the Eagles last year. Philly did add Darius Slay this off season, but he doesn't qualify as like a, a corner to, you know, be scared of. You know, he, he's quality. He'll upgrade the Eagles secondary, but I'm not going to be running away from Darius Slay. Tyler, I've got Jamison Crowder down to 5,200. Am I making the wrong pick here now that it's tougher to win cash games than it used to be just because <laughs> of the volume play? <laughs> I don't think he's a wrong pick. I mean, we all know Sam Darnold loves targeting the slot. Buffalo's got really good corners on the outside uh, with Tredavious White. I am going to Deshaun Jackson, though. I kind of teased it earlier. He's sub-5K. He lit up the Redskins last year, 150-plus yard, yards and two touchdowns. I think he's going to be impossible to avoid this week. Just He's healthy. He he looks good in camp. He's got a good matchup. As for Crowder, I, I really don't mind it because it is a PPR format, and you know he's going to get probably 10-plus targets with the Jets trailing, so I don't mind it. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Crowder caught 14 and eight passes in two meetings with the Bills last year. Um, so I, I like it for PPR for a, a cash game lineup. I'm not sure he has the ultimate ceiling to be worth it on the GPP side. Tyler, are you playing Deshaun Jackson in a tournament lineup or is he a fade for you at what looks like it's going to be the yeah. highest ownership of any player? Yeah, I'm going to have to roster him this week, just especially on DraftKings at that price. There's really a lack of value and there's no other player that has his kind of upside that's under $5,000. And I'll just be so sick when he catches a 70 yard touchdown and I fade him in GPP. So I think I'm definitely going to roster at least 30 to 40% DJX this week, even in tournaments. Fanshare has his projected ownership at 32 and a half percent. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess, first of all, I'd, I'd take the under on that. Like I'd be surprised if, if he got yeah. above 30, but like we talked about earlier, it's a case where you can play DJX. You just got to make sure you differentiate elsewhere in your lineup. So you're not, you know, you know, splitting the pot with a thousand other teams that have Deshaun Jackson. And then I'll get some leverage in other spots um, on lineups where I fade DJX. Those will try lineups where I play Zach Ertz or, or take a shot on Arthega Whiteside, maybe. So, Tyler, who is your GPP, your top GPP pick at wide receiver? I mean, I really like DJX too, but I'm going to roll out some T.Y. Hilton this week. He's not getting any buzz. I, I think he's really getting disrespected in season long too. I mean, the guy's been top 15 every year, and he's going as like the 30th uh, wide receiver in a lot of these drafts. I know they got Phillip Rivers there, but he really can't be much of a downgrade compared to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, a lot of people are just expecting the, the Colts to run the ball and, and play safe, but Rivers has never really done that in his career. I know he loves to dump it off, but T.Y. Hilton still has the route tree that, that's going to coincide with Phillip Rivers, and they've shown a strong connection throughout training camp, and he's got a great matchup against the Jaguars. I know they might be up by three touchdowns by halftime, but I think T.Y. might have a role in that, and, and I think he can break the slate with – hundred plus yards and, and find the end zone. Yeah. I think T.Y. Hilton and DJ Chark on the other side of that game, both seem like good values and they're both, you know, projected for lower ownership than I expected. So I think you can do a little game stack there and hope it shoots out and both those guys go off. Jared, who you got? Henry Ruggs for me, 5,100 bucks. So Ruggs is like squeezed between Deshaun Jackson. I think Marquise Brown's going to be pretty popular. Terry McLaurin's a few hundred bucks more expensive. So I think Ruggs comes in low owned, um, you know, obviously an uncertain role, as a rookie wide receiver, but the Raiders made him the 12th overall pick of the draft. You know, he was the first wide receiver off the board. I'd be surprised if he doesn't play a big role right out of the gate, especially with Tyrell Williams on IR. We know Ruggs has that sub four, three speed. So he has the big playability and this Panthers secondary looks like one we might be attacking all season. The low ownership projection has me looking at, at Tyler Boyd at 6,100 bucks. He's projected at less than 3% ownership right now. So he wasn't somebody I was expecting to focus on, but at that level, I mean, we're talking about a guy who ranked seventh in the league in targets last year. He caught 90 balls, and then he got an upgrade at quarterback in the offseason. So I know it's a potentially very tough matchup with the Chargers, and Tyler Boyd could see a lot of Chris Harrison coverage. But what if Joe Burrow just delivers in his first game and he targets Tyler Boyd 12 times? I mean, I'm not willing to count on a big game from Tyler Boyd enough to put him in a cash lineup, but if I can get him – as one of those low-owned guys that we need to force into a large tournament lineup. I mean, Tyler Boyd's a, a solid bet, I think, on that front. Could be part of a uh, Tyrod Taylor stack, bring it back with Boyd on the other side. 
Tight end, Jared. Who is your cash pick? Chris Herndon for me, thirty three hundred bucks. I mean, above all else, it's a it's a price play. Like getting a clear lead tight end for thirty three hundred bucks, and, and then you factor in that Rashad Perriman's been banged up all summer. Denzel Mims has a new hamstring injury now; he might not play this week. So I think it's really going to be Chris Herndon and Jamison Crowder as the Jets' clear top two targets in this game. So you know, getting getting a five to seven targets out of a tight end for thirty three hundred bucks, and then you know Herndon, I think, is a pretty exciting talent. Had the impressive rookie season was one of the buzziest players in all the NFL this summer so I think he might be in for a big season I I think he's going to be you know much more expensive than this in week two and beyond I've got Jack Doyle at 3,600 bucks. He's right behind Chris Herndon in our dollars per point projection. I think he's a little bit safer, though, than Herndon because the Jets are getting the Bills, who have been one of the toughest matchups in the league for tight end scoring uh, each of the past two years. And I mean, Jack Doyle plus Phillip Rivers plus the Jaguars just gives me a, a nicer floor than I have in my kitchen right now. <laughs> I got Jack Doyle, too. I really want to pay down at tight end for cash. Uh, we've talked about there's not too much value. I love all the the higher price tight ends this week, but in cash games, I'm going to go with Doyle. Uh, You mentioned Trey Burton's on IR, and we talked about how we want to target tight ends that have a chance of scoring a touchdown. Colts have one of the highest totals on the slate. Rivers likes going to his tight ends, so we're going to roll Jack Doyle in week one in cash. Yeah, we will. Fun, fun. What about GPP, Tyler? Who do you got a tight end? I'm just going to pay up for the top three guys and spread out ownership with George Kittle, Darren Waller, and Zach Ertz. I think all of them can see 10-plus targets. I think they all have great matchups. And they're all in situations where wide receivers on their team are injured or rookies. So you have George Kittle. um, Obviously, he's going to be the top target with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk injured. Zach Ertz, the Eagles have had a lot of wide receiver issues. And then in Oakland, we got the two rookie wide receivers. So I think in week one, especially where they haven't had a chance to do preseason and practice as much, quarterbacks are going to really rely on guys that they trust. And I think that's Kittle, Waller, and Ertz. So between those three guys, I'm going to be really heavy on all three of them. Yeah, I think yeah, this especially is nice because uh, he's coming in at low ownership, and I don't think that that's going to rise too much because Deshaun Jackson, Miles Sanders, and Dallas Goddard at 4,100 on DraftKings are going to keep that ownership rate down. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on Ertz. He's he's my favorite GPP play. Um, yeah, I, I think as as Tyler mentioned, just the leverage you get off of Deshaun Jackson. You know, if Ertz is the guy who gets two touchdowns, Deshaun Jackson doesn't score. You know, that, that's huge in tournaments. I think at 5,800 bucks, Zach Ertz is underpriced. Like I think he should he should be 62, 6,300. Low projected ownership, four percent is what Fanshare has him at. And I, I think a lot of people don't think Zach Ertz has upside, but he had games of 27, 28, and 30 DraftKings points last season. Yeah, I mean, he has the ability to hit the 100-yard bonus and score multiple touchdowns in the game, and he's had some of those ceiling games against Washington in the past. Do you guys like Darren Waller this week? I do, yeah. Um, I like Ertz better, so I think the only way I'd get to Waller is if I'm playing a Derek Carr tournament team. But, uh, yeah, I think he's definitely in play. I, I, I agree with you. I think paying up for tight end this week is going to be the you know contrarian move, and those guys have a lot more upside than all these cheapies. Double tight end's always fun. Maybe a little Zach Ertz and Darren Waller. Yeah, I know. Uh, Kevin English won his 100K with two tight ends. I like so it. It can I won, work. I won my seat to the the DraftKings Miami final with double tight end and Trey Burton. Yeah, because I mean, if you if you compare you know these top tight ends to the wide receivers, they're underpriced. Like you know, Ertz would be like I don't know the 20 or 25th priced wide receiver. Right. 
Uh, I was going to say, I think Ertz fits nicely as a flex option as we transition over to the flex spot this week. He's eighth among all of the flex options in our DK dollars per point projections. He tied for 12th in the league in target last year. So even if you're comparing him with wide receiver, it's not like Zach Ertz has a lower target floor or ceiling uh, among this whole group. So I, I like him in that range. Tyler, do you favor a particular position when you're looking for a flex on DK or can it float among the three, depending on who's the value that week? DraftKings, I'm generally playing a running back, but it, it can differ. I, I like to roll the double tight end sometimes. I mentioned the George Kittle, Jordan Reed, half joking, but I, I probably will <laughs> throw a few lineups with that. I haven't heard too much buzz on Jordan Reed throughout training camp, but if he's out there, you know George Kittle's going to get a ton of attention, and we all know Arizona's terrible against the tight end, so I don't mind it. But I do like to sometimes have wide receivers in there too, but vast majority of the time I'm, I'm picking a running back that has a high target and high rushing floor. That's generally what I'm going to play at the flex on DraftKings. It's funny. I think in the full PPR, you'd think that it would make more sense to have a wide receiver in the flex spot. But I know uh, Adam Leviton over at Establish the Run did a study looking at millionaire maker winning lineups. And it, you know, it was more often a running back in the flex spot of those winning lineups than, than a wide receiver or a tight end. Jared, who are you looking to at flex this week? Yeah, I mean, so we talked about Antonio Gibson. Again, I think he makes sense just as a price play, like at 4000 bucks. Even if he gives you like six, seven, eight points, I don't think it's going to kill you if you hit on you know, the more expensive guys you're able to get in your lineup because you played Gibson. And the other cheap guy I think you can consider is Paris Campbell, who's way down at $3,900. Um, it looks like he's the Colts clear number two wide receiver. And we talked about how good a spot this is against the Jags. And one thing we haven't really talked about too much yet is the injury news on some of these wide receivers. With Mike Evans' hamstring injury, I know Cortland Sutton's injured too. He's not on the main slate. And then Kenny Galladay. So if Kenny Galladay and Mike Evans sit, that's going to bump up a couple guys, mainly Marvin Jones and Chris Godwin. So a lot can change. I know we'll probably get the practice reports in a couple hours here. So definitely be paying attention to that. And I mean, if yeah. we get more Mike Evans, then Scotty Miller is 4000 bucks on DraftKings. I looked up Kendrick Bourne, too, when we were talking about Jordan Reed, but he's 5 k this week, which is a little too much for me to be looking at, at Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, Bourne's going to see a lot of Patrick Peterson, too. So I, I'd go Trent Taylor over Bourne, but I probably won't mess with that situation. I mean, Chris Godwin was a good play even before the Mike Evans injury. You know, I think he's a bit underpriced and the matchup's good. And then to me, if Galladay's out, I think TJ Hawkinson is the guy I'd be more interested in even than uh, Marvin Jones. I think Jones is priced in the mid 5Ks. Hawkinson, though, down at like 4,200. I think he'd be more interesting if Galladay doesn't play. Defense, Tyler, how do you tend to treat defense in cash and or uh, GPP lineups? So I want to look at what defense is going to generate pressure. I don't care too much about the total. So I'm going to look at defensive line versus offensive line mismatches. For me, that week is the Chargers over the Bengals. So the Chargers have probably a top five defensive line, and the Bengals certainly have a bottom five offensive line. And they're going up against a rookie quarterback. And the Chargers have a great secondary. They, they brought in... Chris Harris from the Broncos, and I think they're going to match well with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. And if Joe Burrow doesn't have enough time, he's a rookie. I know he was, he was a great player in college, but I think at 2,800, the Chargers are a good cash play and GPP play because I really like the upside that they bring. Yeah, Chargers chuck in as our top dollars per point value. They're also projected for just 2% ownership over on FanShare. So that, that's, a, that's a nice combination. So I might just go 100% Chargers in my uh, – <laughs> Attorney lineups. Would you recommend that, Tyler? Or are you laughing at me? Bad idea. No, it was it was 
defense has stuck out to me too. Uh, they'll probably be my highest on defense with Baltimore, so I don't mind it. I mean, we don't know too much about Joe Burrow. We haven't seen him in the NFL, but I, I like the upside a lot. And there's room for the Chargers defense to deliver here and for Joe Burrow to have a fine game if he turns the ball over twice and throws a couple of touchdowns. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think you have to necessarily say that Joe Burrow is going to suck this week to like the Chargers defense. A couple other options down in the cheap range. The Jets at 2100 are just 100 bucks more than the minimum, and they get Josh Allen this week. So, I mean, if the salary doesn't matter, then the Bills are the number one fantasy defense overall, I would say, for the week. But – the Jets at 2100 are definitely worth a look at the savings. And then the Saints at 2400 Vikings at 2500 I think, are also worth considering. Yeah, the, the Saints are the one I'll consider um, if I need to save, you know, a few hundred bucks off the Chargers. I think Washington, too, just because that D-line against the Eagles O-line, which, you know, lost a couple guys this summer, they could, you know, wreck some havoc and, you know, get a few sacks, get a few turnovers. We talked about it. Even if Washington gives up 28 points, if they, you know, get three sacks, get two takeaways at 2100 bucks, they'll be a pretty nice play. Always a good option to pay down a defense. Defense is hard to predict if you want to get in some players with upside at other positions. I never mind paying down at defense. Anything can happen. Matt made a good point going up against Josh Allen. He's certainly prone to turnovers and then special teams can always score. So I'm never going to hate on paying $2,000. You can fit in studs at other positions. And that's going to do it for this week one DraftKings podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to get cash game recommendations from Jared and tournament picks from Tyler. Check out the lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections, fan share ownership projections, and imported player salaries. Come Saturday morning, we will show you who we're playing against each other in week one of the Crown His Ass Challenge. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. Tyler is at Tyler Syracuse. That's Syracuse with an I. And I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola, Tyler Syracuse, and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shouse saying thanks so much for swimming with us.